Today's show is sponsored by the Airbnb Kickstart course. My wife and I started our first Airbnb here in the last year, and we've come to love the ability to earn more money than we would if we had a long-term rental. If you're interested in starting your Airbnb business with little money, scaling your Airbnb business, or just learning tricks about the industry in general, check out our Airbnb course at nextlevelincome.com slash Airbnb. That's A-I-R, the letters B-N-B, and you'll get a 20% discount code. On today's show, we have Ann Lester. Ann Lester is a retirement expert, highly sought after speaker and media commentator with over two decades of experience in all aspects of retirement. She spent 29 years as a portfolio manager and head of retirement solutions for JP Morgan Asset Management Solutions Group, holding patents for her progressive design to simplify and automate the retirement planning process. She's a regular commentator on an array of retirement issues for industry, for the rank and file, and with public policy through traditional media outlets and social media, including CNBC, Bloomberg TV, The Wall Street Journal, and The New York Times. Ann Lester, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, we were just talking. We got we got a snow day here in Asheville, North Carolina. And you're you're all the way up in Princeton, New Jersey. And you guys got less snow than we did. We we're getting a few flurries, but nothing sticking. So that hardly seems fair if you ask me. But yeah, I'm looking at like a foot outside right now. Wow. So and I just got back from Salt Lake City and uh, it snowed more here while I was there. But um yeah, it's uh it's at least we get a little winter here. That's what I can say. Um but um, and I'm I'm excited to talk to you today. We share a lot in common when it comes to you know helping the next generation and and um, talking about how people can you know retire, achieve financial independence. And I'm really excited for you to share you know a little bit more about you know your experience and and how you got to this point. So maybe you can share that with the audience before we get started here. Sure, sure. So you know I had a. a... I guess a pretty rocky start to saving in general. I pretty much made every textbook mistake in the book uh, in my 20s and even early 30s and really struggled to, uh, I mean, I was, we, I, myself and then my husband and I were really living paycheck to paycheck into our 30s. And I, I really, really hated that feeling. Um, and, you know, it was, I don't think we did anything in air quotes like stupid as from my cashing out of my very first retirement plan, which was stupid. But um, we just, you know, were young professionals, had a baby, were paying for childcare, had a house. You know, I still remember talking to our real estate agent who was telling us when we bought our first house in 97. And she was like, oh, you can afford whatever it was. And I'm like, I'm not buying that big a house. We're, I'm pregnant. We, I'm, I may work. I don't know. Like, we're not buying as big a house as you tell me we can. But even so, it was it was, you know, it was a lot. And then the roof needed to be repaired and this and that. So, I mean, it's just always this stream of stuff. So, you know, I didn't really personally curious about saving until I actually started building target date funds for other people to save and started learning about behavioral economics and how our own wiring can get in our way. So for me, it was very much a, wow, I need to understand why I'm doing this stuff to me create some rules and some structures around myself so I don't keep doing it. So that, that was huge for me. Yeah, no, it's, we, we talked about this, uh, on a podcast a couple months ago and, you know, a lot of people, they start, they're like, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to do this, this, and this, but we don't, we don't start with why 
we have feelings around money and why we're, we're making these choices. And um, you said a couple things in there that um, I'd love to get into. And, you know, I, I think that one of the things is, you know, as um, I work with some coaching clients and as they become more successful, there's like one of my coaching clients, he's doing very well. Um, he's, he's single, he's got, he's got all his expenses covered and he doesn't like to spend money on a massage, even though he really, really enjoys it. Mm. He still has this feeling of guilt. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, from the, there's a savings component. There's also a spending component. Um, you also said something, um, about living paycheck to paycheck. There's a lot of high income earners, you know, they save, they even, even they're saving with their 401k at the end of the day, they're like, I don't really feel like I have any money because, you know, I, I don't, I'm not seeing anything. Um, so how did you personally go from that paycheck to paycheck experience to bridging that behavioral gap into, you know, you know, getting to the point where you are now? So a, a big step for me personally was just understanding that it, I mean, I, I don't know if I really believe this, but I've heard people say, and it certainly explains me to myself, um, that they're like spenders and savers. Like if you want to put people on a spectrum, like people tend to fall on one side of that line or the other. I am a spender. Like you give me a sum of money. It was true when I was 10. It's true now. It's like, oh, goody, what can I do with this money? It's the first thing I think, right? I could do X. Yeah. And, and to me, money is something that helps you live a good life. It is not like I score with money. I don't, you know, it doesn't make me feel safe to see big piles of it in my accounts. Like for me, it is there to be used and enjoyed. And, and the trick is to make sure understand the future needs I will have for that money, right? And my family and, yeah. you know, my husband and I talk about this, but it, you know, neither of us, neither of us, I guess, you know, we, we both grew up kind of affluent enough not to have money be a worry in the house. And so, you know, certainly classic middle-class, but, you know, we weren't, we didn't go hungry. And, you know, there were certainly moments when, when it was like, we can't afford that, but it wasn't, uh, you know, no, no vacations, no nice trips, no nothing, right? It was very much a right. sort of considered thing, but there always seemed to be enough money to do whatever my parents seemed to want to do. I didn't hear those conversations about yeah. we should, we shouldn't. So part of it, I think, is just not learning that you say no to some things so you can say yes to others. And and I just didn't hear that. But But for me, the most important thing was understanding that my struggle to save wasn't because I'm a morally bankrupt person or a bad person, right? Because I kept blaming myself, right? And feeling shame. How come I can't? I'm, you know, we're earning good money. How, how is it that we still, you know, I'm juggling bills at the end of the month because I was the I was the bill payer in the family? Or how is it that we're working with these decisions when I'm making good choices, right? And it, I didn't understand that the sort of behavioral wiring that, it, you know, today is more important than tomorrow. And you know, risk aversion and loss aversion. I mean, I invested other people's money quite well, I'd say, but I struggled with my own because I'd still be like, I don't know if I want to put my money to work today. Maybe the market will go down. I mean, it's crazy, right? Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, I guess why, you know, why do you think it's so hard for people to save money? I, I honestly, I truly believe we are wired to prefer what is in front of us over what is coming down the pike? I mean, there's loads like and loads yeah. of academic research, right? Or there's the famous book about the marshmallow test, right? And it's just really hard. And and I, I do also believe that people's wiring falls on a spectrum, right? We're not all cookie cutter people. We all have different 
sort of innate wiring, but we also have different behavioral, it's like the nurture versus nature, right? Some of this stuff yeah. is nature, some of this is nurture, some of it is what you get imprinted with in your home and it either reverses or causes you to oppose what happened to you, right? Um, but for me, I do think a lot of it's innate. And again, I kept putting myself in the position of, well, I'm a smart person. I should be able to figure this out. I should have enough willpower not to, right? And I didn't understand that I'm just asking myself to fail if I create, I mean, it, I also uh, like, and let's just say the holiday season is never good to me in my waistline, but, <laughs> but you know, it's like, it's like, you know, setting a big platter of cookies in front of me and then just saying, but I'm a good person. I'm not going to eat them. Right. I mean, come on. Right. So I know myself, like it was, it was learning my own wiring and how I work and, and realizing that this wasn't a good, bad, you know, moral thing. It's just like, this is the way I work and I stopped it, which so for me, it's the magic of making the money disappear out of my pay, my, out of my checking account, right? Like having automatic savings just change, yes. changed our lives. I love that. And I, I wrote an article um, a year, year and a half ago, and I call it my savings tax. So, you know, I think, you know, we, we talk about having budgets and I've, I've, you know, I've been thinking about this for years and it's like, I, I, I hate budgets. And mm -hmm. what's, what's, what's interesting, and I'm, I'm that kid that, you know, would, would keep the marshmallow to get the two marshmallows. When I was young, I, I was a saver. I'd like stick stuff in the freezer, like candy bars and stuff like that. And um, I just, no, I was, no, no, no. that's just how I worked. Now, my wow. older son is, is not like that at all. So maybe I was wired that way, but I never found it fun to like budget and I hate it. Like I hate tracking it and budgeting. So what I did, I said, you know what? I'm just going to, like you said, we have our mortgage and we have our, you know, the amount we're going to save. And I call it my opportunity fund and it would get sucked out into my opportunity fund. And then I get to spend what's left at the end of the month because that's like my reward. So that's, that's what we ended up doing. And I even wrote, um, I wrote a, I added a chapter to my book, chapter three. And if, if you're listening, haven't got my book yet, um, grab it on our website, nextlevelincome.com. It's up there free under the book link. Um, but how do you, like, what are some of the tools that you share uh, with people and to, to do, to, you know, create that quote unquote savings tax? So I, I think you're exactly right. You know, some people budget and they, they're, again, it's like, to me, number one is understanding how you work and stop yeah. trying to fight it, like lean into what works for you and figure Absolutely. out rules or guardrails or bumpers or however you want to think about it for yourself. But think about how to compensate or take out equation stuff that you know doesn't work, like putting temptation in front of me, I can tell you right now is a terrible thing. And it's like, if I decide I don't want to spend money, which since I stop my formal employment. I was like, I can't buy any more clothes. Like I used to like buying clothes and I'm not, I can't go into stores because if I do, I'll buy stuff. Like I just don't go. I can't right? buy so ice cream and stick it in my house because I will eat the ice cream. Exactly. Right. So it's like yeah. understanding these things, making a commitment. And then, you know, every once in a while, I actually do need to buy something. So, okay, fine. I'll buy it. But so back, back to the savings and the money, I think, you know, and budgeting, right? I, I get trapped in the perfectionist trap, which is, oh, wouldn't it be great to make a budget? And I can download everything out of my, my bank accounts for the last three years into a spreadsheet. And then I can create this incredible financial model. And it's just like, and then I start thinking, yeah, but if I 
that and oh i've got that investment over there and how do i pull that in and if it's not updated the price well then you know so i got to update the prices right and then you know like three months go by and i've got some yeah. you know mess on a spreadsheet and so number one i think about buckets like it sounds like you've got buckets, a buckety yeah. thing right just buckets, yeah like buckety yes absolutely the house and yeah. and and keeping the house running bucket yep. right and i i put property taxes because we live in new jersey in its own special little um, indeed i was thinking circle of hell but bucket and then <laughs> and then you know i think about you know discretionary non-discretionary is like tricky because everybody has to eat so food is non-discretionary but are you going grocery shop at the local grocery store are you going to whole foods are you going to aldi right where are you going to costco where are you shopping do you go out at all do you get takeout do you get a restaurant with a white tablecloth right there's just this range of expenses but i think i think bucketing needs versus wants versus desires right is really important yeah. and and making sure you are covering your needs and some wants yeah yeah and ramit sethi talks a lot about this i will teach you to be rich he's like pick what what's important to you like i'm not a i'm not a car guy you know where i have friends that have multiple sports cars so for me, I'm okay driving, you know, a used Acura, which is, which is a very nice car, you know, especially compared to what I grew up, um, you know, with, yes. with our family, you know, but I would, I will happily go and spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars on a meal with our family. Cause that's, you know, that's important to me. So I think, you know, you, you mentioned something about, you know, kind of feeling guilty or, you know, it's, it's like, I think you say, okay, this isn't important to me. I like to spend money on clothes. I don't, I don't really care, you know, about food. I'm, you know, I'm simple. I, you know, whatever it might be, but you got to look at your own situation, understand your own psychology, you know, and the Dave Ramsey advice not, isn't for everybody. You know, my plan isn't, isn't for everybody and, and figure that out. So I think that's, that's really important. Um, you just said something really important, which is understand yourself. And then you talked about a couple of people's plans. And to me, like all these plans work for some people and won't work for other people. But the right. most important thing is understanding what your values are and making sure that the way you're spending money lines up with your values and lines up with what you enjoy and gives you satisfaction. Right. Absolutely. And I love that. Everybody's going to have a different definition of that. Story, yeah. Right. But, but, and there's no right or wrong to any of it. But it, you know, to me, one of the things I'm most focused on and really passionate about is making sure people understand consequences of the choices they're making yeah. when they make the choice. Love that. And that's yeah. what took me like 20 years to figure out. So, so, yeah. So, you know, taking that and so saying, okay, it took you 20 years. Now we have, um, you know, millennials and now Gen Z, I talked to an amazing number of, I call them kids because they're, you know, like younger than 25. Um, what are, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see, you know, the millennials, Gen Z making, or just, just advice that you can give them yep. so that they can, like, I, you know, I say, Hey, let's, let's give you the shortcuts guys. So you can get to where we are that much faster. Yep. Uh, I, 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 things and I've got I've got kids who are Gen Z and sort of on the bubble of millennial depending on who you talk to where that dividing line is so yeah. you know and this it's it's a subject near and dear to my heart um I'd say that first and foremost is is not understanding the importance of avoiding catastrophe and that sounds like a really obvious thing but I would say avoiding catastrophe yeah. falls into the bucket of emergency savings and insurance and I'm talking about 
thinking about renter's insurance and I'm t talking about collision insurance for your car and yeah. I'm about medical insurance, which can be yeah. can be a rough, a rough thing when you're starting out, especially if you don't have access to it through your employer. Right. That's a tough one. But yeah. not being adequately insured will push you into bankruptcy. Yep. Not being adequately insured will mean you you wrap your car around a tree, somebody something happens, you don't have an automobile and you can't get to work. Right. I mean, yep. those are like life, maybe not ruining, but but life altering in a sense. Or yeah. somebody I know uh net apartment next door had a small fire in it and everything they owned was smoke damaged. Oh, insurance they yeah. lost all of their now it's sort of so it's like oh my gosh my wardrobe my clothes but like you go out and, and replace yeah it's a, a lot, lot of money of clothes. It's, yeah. it's all, and time it's yeah and people think about insurance as like a waste of money and it's like mm, it's money you hope you don't need right you're yeah. you're you're protecting against the worst case outcome yeah. i always say at least three months hopefully six months of living expenses right of your Love net that, yeah. income you, you, yeah. you just have prioritize those things yeah. after you get that done then start thinking about the future you should be saving for retirement and tax advantaged accounts then be saving you should then work on paying off high interest rate debt you should then think about other things like paying off your low interest rate debt, thinking about a house down payment thinking about if you i i a big mistake i see people make is prioritizing their children's education and 529 over their own retirement because that that to me is again reflects a lack of understanding of the power of compound returns right because yeah. even a little bit of money into those tax advantaged accounts or even if you you know maxed out or don't to them even taxable accounts right in your 20s is yeah. is going to be worth so much money in your 50s and 60s and 70s yeah. and people just don't see that I think that's I think that's great. Just knowing the sequence of how to do this and kind of the algorithm. Um, we talk about uh, next level income. You know, make more money, keep more money, and grow your money. And in that keep bucket, part of it is insurance. And I think it's important. I'll underscore this because I spent time working for State Farm. I'm a licensed life insurance agent. The importance of having insurance to not get blown out if you if you. Um, so, uh, black, so if you, if you read the black swan, if you read some of, um, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, blanking on his name the author at, at the moment here. Um, but he talks about, yes. don't get, don't get blown out. You know, you don't want to, you don't, you want to wake up and be able to play every day. And the thing is, if you don't have insurance, you're also making a decision. You're actually making a decision exactly. to self-insure. So, and if you self-insure, then that means you're going to have to pay for any losses that you have. And I think a lot of people, you know, they don't really, they don't really think about that. So you are insuring, but you're actually called self-insuring and it's a uh, Nassim Taleb. Nassim Taleb is, is yes. the name. So yeah, saying avoid catastrophe is great. Um, also the other point you make, I just, I was just finishing a book on uh, uh, estate planning and trust and the author made the exact same point that you made and which is, you know, prioritizing your children's education ahead of your future financial security you're, you're doing it, you're doing it backwards if you do that. And it feels so wrong as a parent, right? Because of yeah. course you want to prioritize your children in front. I mean, you would literally give them the food off your plate, right? If they were hungry. So usually not depends on how they behave. That day, <laughs> we'll but... talk about ice cream later, but, <laughs> but, 
But you would. And and so it feels Absolutely, so natural yeah. to say, no, no, I'm taking care of my 401k before I'm taking yeah. care of their college education. But you know yeah. what? College educations can be paid for a lot of different ways. Absolutely. Including going yeah. to community college and doing two years there or, you know, yeah. name a bunch of ways. And you can't pay for your retirement any other way. That's right. Okay. That's the ultimate yeah. self-insurance, right? I mean, it, it just is. I love it. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. So let's say, all right. So, you know, we, we've covered, you know, covering some of the behavioral psychology, you know, the ways that people that are kind of just getting started out, um, some strategies that they can use. Let's say you're getting to the point, and I've, I've been through this in the last year myself, you say, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready to leave my job. I'm ready to leave my career. By the way, it's, it's a, when you do something for a couple decades or more, two, three, four decades, and you know, Anne, it's, it's a very anxiety producing event. So you talk about three things that you need to consider as you're getting to the point of quitting your job. Can we go through those? Yeah. So I think clearly, how are you going to keep the lights on? Like, you know, maybe that's a good thought. (laughs) Really? Can you, can you, and it's, it's funny because I don't know that one of my former colleagues said, you know, can, how did you know you could afford to retire? And I said, it's a leap of faith. I mean, it really is a leap of faith, right? So I'd say, you know, number one, really make sure you understand where your cash flow is coming from. And, you know, in our instance, it's, it's a combination of, you know, compensation, obviously my husband's working. Well, not obviously, but he is working. So there's that um, compensation. I'm getting paid out from my former job. That's going to last a couple of years. I had uh, a sort of deferred compensation that's going to last for 15 years until I'm 70. And then I, I can get, well, I, I will choose to turn on my social security. So that's kind of a wash, right? And and so that, yeah. that, that works out pretty well. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, how are we going to, you know, if, if everything goes wrong, if my new um, gig, as it were, as an author and a speaker, totally goes sideways and doesn't raise a dime right happens right well we've got our investments which i'd really rather not touch just yet so we have a big house we can rent out there's a little apartment in it we rent out okay that'll cover the property taxes right so okay property taxes are covered when i retired um we still had i think seven years left on a 15-year mortgage because i was gonna pay that sucker off before we turned 65 like i do not want mortgage debt in retirement just don't 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 so i'm like all right well we got seven years on the sucker and because it was such a aggressive payment the payments were quite high and i thought manage your cash flow i'm going to renegotiate my mortgage to 30 years i do not want that high payment. However, I'm going to keep paying it until I decide that's a scary, stupid thing to do. So we're still on track to pay it off. But yeah, now financial planners would tell you that we should be investing that money in the market. And, you know, in hindsight, that would have been a great trade. But yeah, cash flow, right? To me, cash flow is. And if I know I, I can yeah. make my expenses, I am not going to be forced to do stuff I don't want to do. Yeah, I you know, and that's that's one of my favorite things. I I hosted, co-hosted a radio show in college and, and I had this debate with a financial planner and she said, oh, get a 15-year mortgage, pay it off as fast as possible. I said, get a 30-year mortgage and pay it off as slow as possible. And you know, she looked at me like, like I was crazy. And I said, well, if something happens, you could have that money in the bank and keep doing that. But, and then as we saw several years later in the financial crisis, you know, like I had lines of credit and the bank just said, sorry, pay them off today. 
and you can't have that money anymore. So I love, I love that, you know, managing your cash flow. That is such a great, great point. Yeah. And I, I guess one of the other really, really important things for me is to understand before you take that leap of faith. And it was, it was scary, right? I mean, I left a job. I love company. I, I really have a lot of respect for, yeah. um, and, and set off into the unknown. But, but the second thing is know where, and this is maybe the flip side of the coin about know what brings you joy and what you like spending your money on, know where you're going to cut. Like I adore traveling and traveling is a JP Morgan executive. You get used to traveling at a certain level of comfort and style. Yeah. I don't need that. Right. It's nice. Yeah. I, I don't need it. And I mean, this is a true story. I said to myself, well, you know, I just need to make sure I have my own bathroom, basically. Like I'm not staying in a youth hostel with a bathroom down the hall. There you that go. is like, that is that, that is, I'm not going there again. <laughs> So I say this to myself and my college roommate invites me to spend uh, uh, like a long weekend with her on this uh, island in Maine that she's been going for years and it's an artist colony and it's fabulous. I'm like, sure. Wow. So I drive up, drive to the ferry. We're on the ferry, like chug, chug, chugging, you know, and, and she's like, so I hope this, this place we're staying isn't humble for you. And I'm like, oh, it'll be fine as long as I have my own bathroom. And there's this little silence, right? And she's like, well, <laughs> there are only five rooms sharing two bathrooms. And I'm like, Okay. She's like, it's really just like, we're sharing a bathroom pretty much. And I'm like, okay. And she said, I really regret though that their pandemic protection money and, and electrified the guest rooms. Cause I'm really going to miss the oil lamps. And I'm like, all right, electricity is my <laughs> new bottom line. And I already told her I'd go back. I like I it. such a great time. Right. So the bathroom yeah. thing is already gone, but it's like, I love it. Yeah. Understand where you're willing to cut. Yeah. Like well, uh, adore the lifestyle yeah. we built, but I don't need it. Yeah, I'll make you feel a little bit better. I did a three-week trip on the Grand Canyon a few years ago. And um, not only do you not get your own bathroom, you really don't get a bathroom at all. So Camping is it, different. It, like, that's fine. You know, camping is, I, camping is fine, There you right? go. But yeah. it's like, if I'm in a hotel, I want my own bathroom. But I that's agree. Different. I'm not going to argue with you there. I'm not, no, not going to argue with camping. you there. I adore camping, but yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so number... I don't know if I did all my three. I'm, I'm like, what? Did, I, I, I think I, we got, I, I think I we got one more. Here. Yeah, I think we got one more. That was people like to hear about our bathroom preferences. I think that's 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 Very worthy important. of a little sidetrack. <laughs> All right, important. so number three. Um, number three, honestly, you know, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I think about this. I'm totally going off script now, but to me, this yeah. is you're getting what's inside my head right now, and what I think about is, and you talked about this as part of your proposition, right, to your clients, right? Yeah. Where, what are you? your potential fallback sources of income. How are you going to generate more income if things go sideways, right? So I've got this vision of writing a book. I've got this yeah. image of being a public speaker. I joined a corporate board. I can join another corporate board, right? I can, yeah. you know, how are you going to, and, and I mean, maybe this is, this is another thing um, in the same vein. How are you going to spend your time? Yeah. What are you yeah. going to do with yourself? Because yeah. And, and this is something I've talked a lot about, especially with, I think, millennials in particular. And, I, you know, I think sometimes the impetus to retire early isn't being drawn to do something. It's because you're right away from something else. And oh, that's a so bad good, reason. Yeah. That's a bad reason to focus on accumulating enough money to retire, like yeah. running away from a job or a career that you felt forced into or landed in and that you decided you don't love is yeah. a bad reason to to retire that's that's a great reason to do some self 
and, and figure out what you really want to do and go do that instead. And maybe you need the financial security yeah. to, to permit yourself to take that leap, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's gigging as a paycheck. That's all good, but but do not step off this cliff without a really good idea about how you're going to spend your time because you will be really unhappy. I think you saved the best for last, Dan. I mean, you know, again, my personal experience, it's really challenging when you spend, you know, so much time. And, you know, I think also culturally, you know, is, and maybe I'm saying this is a, is a male, but, you know, culturally as men, we define ourselves by, you know, our, our careers and, you know, I'm a provider and I'm a father and, you know, um, you know, now, now even more, more so more and more and more women as well. Like, Hey, what do you do? That's what we say when we meet people in America. And when you're ready to leave that and you're like, like, what do you say? Like, I've had people say like, what do I tell people when I, when I leave? Like, what do you say? What do you tell people, Chris? It's like, well, that's, that's kind of, a, it's weird when you think about it in that aspect. So I think if you are able to take a step back, as you said, and, and reflect and say, what do I really enjoy spending my time on? And then creating a financial strategy to give you the flexibility to do more of what you love and do that. I hate the word retirement. I think if people had the financial ability to focus on their passions and do that, whether it's art or volunteering or, or writing or educating those things, you can make money doing those things and you can enjoy life. And what I found is the relationships you find when you do that are so much more enriching and mm -hmm. when people like Warren Buffett says, is it Warren Buffett that says, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life? Um, it's, it's true, but you can still make money and do those things. So again, if you're looking towards retirement, think about other things you enjoy that you may be able to create income from, layer those in. It'll give you not only meaning, as you mentioned, and it'll also give you an additional sense of security because you won't have to depend on one income source. And again, going back to Nassim Taleb, he talks about anti-fragile being anti-fragile. Yes. If you have multiple streams of income, if the market dips and you're like, well, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to buy that new car or take that trip around the world this year. You know, I'm going to travel locally. Maybe go to a place like Asheville <laughs> and do something like go that. Camping. Go camping. Or go camping. camping. Absolutely. You know? I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of things you can do. No, I, I think yeah. that's terrific sort of advice and thoughts. And yeah. The other thing that I think, you know, certainly working in the retirement industry for as long as I did, like we are going to live a real time. Certainly people today in their 20s and 30s, yeah. you know, have yeah. every reason to believe that they will live a rich, hopefully healthy life into their 90s and beyond. Yeah. And so Absolutely. this notion of, of, you know, retiring, and I agree, it's a terrible word, but, but step away from a formal relationship with an employer, let's put it that way. And redefining your your relationship with the way you engage in in working relationships and non-working relationships right is really important because yeah. you're going to want to keep doing it you're yeah. not going to want to drop it and like go do what sit on a sit on a porch for 30 years yeah. like I don't think anybody really like doing right. that to begin with but like especially yeah. if we're not going to if we're going to be living into our 90s that does not sound like fun to me for, for yeah. 40 years yeah we're beyond you know it's like it's crazy i um i got an uh, Dan Sullivan, who started Strategic Coach, talks about how he's going to live to be, um, I think he says 156. And he's got a great book, My Plan to Live to 156. But here's the point. Whether you believe you're going to live to 156 or 100 or 90, if, you, if you're healthy and you're 90 years old, 
Like how much longer would you want to live? And if you're healthy and you're 90 and you're still enjoying things and being productive, you know, do you want to retire at 65 or 55 or 45? Like, what are you going to do for the rest of your time? My grandfather retired at 55, lived to be um, almost, he was uh, not about 95, lived another 40 years. And he worked on a farm for 35, more than 35 of those 40 years, which was longer than his career as an engineer. So I think we can have, you know, multiple cycles of productivity, of success, of quote unquote careers in our life. And, and you're just starting your career, um, your, your second, you know, the second phase yeah, of, of what you're doing. So as you do that, we, we touched on a lot, but there's so much more that people can learn. And if they want to stay in touch with you, if they want to um, learn, if they want to see your new YouTube channel, what's the best way to stay in touch and learn more from you, Anne? And annlester.com, Anne with an E, A-N-N-E-L-E-S-T-E-R. So perfect. And we'll put that in the show notes. Follow me on social media. Yeah, that's be great. Absolutely. And uh, last question, which I'd love to ask our guest, if you can go back to your 25 year old self, we touched a little bit on this. Mm. What advice would you give yourself back then? To be kinder to myself, actually, right? To be less judgy about myself, but also about other people, but really like it'll work out. Okay, just calm down. I love Just that. I love that. I've, uh, I faced some, some, some challenges in my life and I can say that, yeah, you can, uh, yeah, be kind, know you'll get through it, have the strength, surround yourself with good people. Um, but yeah, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. And with that, Ann Lester, thank you so much for joining us and sharing well, thank you, Chris. experience with our audience. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, Chris here again. I hope you found this episode valuable. Now I have one more thing to gift you. We have a page for my coaching clients where you can get a free copy of my book, as well as much more from previous guests on the show. Just check out nextlevelincome.com slash coaching to get a free copy of my book, audiobook, and much more. I'll send you a copy of my book and cover all the shipping costs as a thank you for listening to the podcast. Also, please like, share, and take just 90 seconds to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts.